Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 111. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Cliff Reuter. Cliff, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right. It's great to have you here. Cliff Reuter has created the website etcetarini.com. Etcetarini is a result of a passion for automobiles that he shares with his father, Jack, who's enjoyed an amazing life around European race cars. Over the years, the Reuters have owned numerous interesting and iconic cars, including Porsches and Ferraris, Maseratis, Bandinis, Bugattis, and many more. Cliff has created a dedication to the history, documentation, and preservation of Exeterini cars. What is an Exeterini car? Cliff will explain the answer to this, and he'll share more of his family's rich automotive history today on Cars Yeah. So Cliff, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your life, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, you know, it starts all with my father, and I think that's the case with, you know, the majority of car enthusiasts. Uh, My father did a little SCCA racing in the 50s in an Austin Healey, and he experienced some of the European cars that were more strictly racing, and so he fell in love with Ferraris, Maseratis, and Porsches as they were passing he and his Austin Healey. (laughs) You know, he was kind of a young man at that point, didn't get into collecting until the 60s, and 1965 was able to purchase his first Ferrari, which turned out to be a 166 Milli Miglia with a special history that he found in a warehouse in St. Louis. And I think the price was about $1,000. Oh, gosh. From there, you know, he just got into it. He was a member of the SCCA. He was one of the early members of the Ferrari Club of America. Growing up, you know, we always had a two or three cars in the garage. We never parked our street cars in our garage. It's a, it was a two-car, and I uh, usually had three or four little sports cars in there. So, you know, I became more interested into the cars after, you know, my college years, after high school. Certainly after that, I really became more and more interested and kind of didn't see a lot of information coming on the Internet. You know, I guess I should say one thing that my dad really liked, the one car make, was a car called a Bandini, Mm. which is an Exeterini. 
So as he was collecting these bigger name cars, he was always after the little Bandinis, which did race in the U.S. I think a total of about 80 cars were made, and there's around 42 left in the world today. Wow. But amazingly enough, they were a perfect fit for the H-modified class in the SCCA racing, which was 750cc and under. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them utilized the American Crosley engine, which they were uh, modifying for racing. Some used BMW motorcycle engines, which were surplus from the war years, like a company called Nardi did that. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the manufacturers built their own twin cam racing heads like Bandini and Stangolini. So we ended up, basically, he sold all his big name cars, but always kept his Bandini because that was his favorite. And unfortunately, we, we sold that a couple of years ago. But because of his love for the Bandini and the little Exeterinis, I decided to put whatever information that he had collected over the years onto the internet. It was just about maybe 12, 13 years ago, the internet was just kind of coming on and I got interested, basically took an HTML course and then kind of went from there. Well, I found your website and I'm not even sure how I found it. It it was probably sent to me by one of my fellow automotive enthusiasts and started following you on Facebook and then looked up the website and just went, Wow, I mean, there's a whole amazing history here, and you would be posting pictures of cars your father owned, and I'm like, who is this guy? Who who had these cars? Because they really were the what's what or who's who of sports racing cars from the 50s and 60s. Just absolutely incredible. So you're basically putting together history of what your father drove and more information about the cars. Is that right? That's correct. I wanted to get that information out there. They're such special cars, and I didn't want that history to kind of fade. So that was one of the main things when I started the website. And then I started, I branched off into the Exeterinis area because there was very little information on, on those on the Internet. And then after we, we actually purchased a Bandini with a Devon body on it in 2006, I became interested in SCCA racing history to try and track our current car's history. And when I looked, very, very little information on SCCA racing. So then I began to collect the programs and seek out SCCA magazine and racing programs. And I really caught the bug. And then I decided to start putting it all on the Internet. Thought maybe a guy or two out there might be interested also. And boy, I've gotten a good response. It's been really fun to connect with people. And, you know, guys see their dads. You know, you know I knew my dad raced in the 60s, but, you know, never seen his name, et cetera. So it's really fun. Oh, yes. And you shared one of the pages on your website with me the other day. And on there was a newspaper article from Florida about James Kimberly, who was somewhat of a gentleman racer back in the 50s, drove Ferraris. And of course, James Kimberly came from the Kimberly Clark family dynasty. And a good friend of mine is related to that family. And in fact, James was his uh, uncle. And so I forwarded that to him. And he said, Oh, I've never seen that article about Uncle Jim before. So. It is amazing how the internet has brought enthusiasts together and can be this catalyst for information. So it's fantastic what you're doing, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show, to expose what you're doing to more people and let people know that com exists. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start our talk with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success around automobiles. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Cliff, I know you like cars, so take the wheel. A little uh, thing I've heard from golf, the more I practice, the luckier I get. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's absolutely true. How would you relate that 
saying or that mantra to your life? I think that just basically not having a set plan on for, for my website from the beginning. Basically, just trying to get something started and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. It just seems, you know, the more and more, you know, I get more and more in touch with people. It just seems to grow, and so I think possibly someday it might turn into a business endeavor. But I really do enjoy finding the information that I am discovering and just sharing it with everyone. You know, not trying to charge money for it. And you know, I think that's kind of relates to my dad's philosophy of collecting. He was never a dealer. He never bought the cars to make a profit on them. He bought the cars because he loved them. Mm-hmm. His background was in commercial art, so he was an artist for a living, and so he really did view the cars as rolling sculpture. And so it's a little ironic that, you know, he didn't really make very much money. And the cars today, I think I added up his collection. If he would have had every single car at one time, which, of course, he never had, that's over a $100 million collection in today's market. Sure. But just the fact that, you know, we, we did have the cars. We do, he did preserve. He was he liked to take a lot of pictures. And um, I don't know if any of all this, you know, makes any sense, but it's just kind of ironic that, you know, I get to kind of carry it on and it's just a fun hobby and people seem to enjoy it. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned the word luck in there. And there's a great saying about luck that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. It seems to me you're creating opportunity by preparing this website, creating this website, and putting all these things together. And I think you got the start of something here that could be really fun, really different, really unique. And and that's part of why I wanted to have you on the show, but also to hear your story and, and how you grew up around these cars. And speaking of automotive journeys, could you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars? And this may be a wide open question for someone like you who's lived in a family where his father had so many spectacular cars, but is there one pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? I don't know if I think I can point it out to one particular instance, but just the memories of the, the rides in the cars. And basically, in most cases, when we did get the cars, they were in non-running condition. So watching the process of my dad helping with the restorations, he did a little engine rebuilding, you know, but he would basically disassemble the cars, send the parts out, and then reassemble the cars. So just the work that went into it, and then actually being able to, to ride in the cars after so many months or years and watching him sit there. And just, you know, the sound of the engines, you know, the way the interior smells of an old racing Ferrari coupe. I have really good memories of one of our short wheelbase Berlinettas, which was the car that did run when we owned it, and, you know, taking a lot of, you know, small trips in it, driving it on the street. Actually, we did drive the cars on the street quite a bit in the early days, mm-hmm. but eventually they would pull you over and say, hey, get this thing off the road. <laughs> sure. But just, you know, interacting with the cars, nobody thought really much of them, but we really enjoyed them. And then just to see it, what it's turned into today, the popularity, and just, you know, just to know that my dad has saved a lot of those cars, found the cars. You know, I'm in touch with a lot of the current owners, which is also very fun, which I've been able to do the last couple of years. Sure. And so, you know, just keeping in touch with the with the current owners. And, you know, Facebook, I think, is also, of course, helped with that. One thing that comes to mind in your storytelling about this time you spent with your father and becoming an automotive enthusiast, I had a, a guest on Cars here, Dwight Knowlton, who wrote a, a great book of a, it's a child's book called The Little Red Racing Car. And it's a story about a boy who founds a Maserati 300S in a barn and he and his father restore it, put it back together and take it out for a drive. And as you were telling me that story about your time with your father, that story comes to mind. And 
If you don't have that book, you got to get it. It is a book for kids, but it's a great, fun book and would make a great gift. So, Cliff, what I'd love to do right now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and really crawl under the hood and get your hands a little dirty. Your dad's done that many times out there in the garage, but I'd like to talk a little bit about your life and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced in your career or your life, or maybe it was with one of the cars that you worked on with your father. But more importantly, if you could tell us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Well, I can tell you, you know, when I was a, you know, growing up, I was also very interested in tennis, mainly tennis mm-hmm. in the beginning. And I played junior tennis and I really, my goal was to become a professional tennis player. So I spent many hours practicing, obviously traveling, traveled the U.S. from a very young age, really competed, got into the top 100 in the boys' 18s in the United States. But then, you know, you would go and play a national tournament and you'd play someone maybe who was top 10 in the nation and you'd realize that, boy, this is a really tough challenge. And so I I ended up, I was not quite good enough to play on the pro tour, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it was a great challenge. It was a great thing to be doing. And it actually led me to play college tennis, which I did down in Texas at UT Arlington. And as a result, I actually met my wife in college. (laughs) So I didn't make it on the pro tour, but I actually, you know, met my wife through it. Yes, yes. That's a great story. And now I actually, for a living, I teach tennis. So it's kind of come full circle. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. Thanks for sharing that with us. How about aha moment? Let's shift gears here a little bit and go to the other end of the spectrum and, and share a story when you had a, an aha moment, perhaps with com, a time when you realized that, you know what, this idea that I'm formulating, this website I'm put together, really has some merit and could go somewhere and really make it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. I think shortly after I started the website, I was contacted because of it by the Bandini Museum. Oh, wow. By a man named Dino Bandini, who has put together a museum in Italy. Contacted me and said that he enjoyed my site and that he had seen some Bandini pictures and that he was interested when collaborating or sharing ideas and information. So when someone like that, who is a relative of one of the car builders, got in touch with me, with me, I thought, well, shoot, this really could be a fun idea. From then on, I kind of focused on trying to find pictures, put the information on the site, and then in hopes of having the, either the owners or people who used to own them, you know, get in touch with me. It all started that idea, you know, I, I really enjoyed they, uh, their, I think at the 99 Concorso Italiano, they had a class called Exeterini. That was the first time I kind of really heard the term and saw it, you know, published somewhere. So that was kind of an aha moment. Yeah. Up until then, I think, you know, there had been some research by a man named John DeBoer, and I think he may have coined the phrase. And so at that point, I realized that to see it at a major concours like that in California, that these cars were going to start to be recognized. You know, I had loved them since, you know, we got our first one in the late 70s, early 80s. So that was a little bit of an aha moment, just to see a class at a major concours with the name Exeterini. Oh, absolutely. How fun (laughs) to be contacted by Dino Bandini? It's actually Dino Bandini, correct. Dino, what a name. Wow, Dino Bandini. Dino Bandini, right. And his uh, his nephew, McKelly, is actually also very engaged. And uh, Dino is the nephew of Ilario Bandini, who was the, the man who made the cars. Okay. And then um, Michele Bandini is the grandnephew. And Fantastic. so, you know, af- after I saw that class 
at the Econ course, so I believe it was 99. I also decided at that point that I someday would like to try and get some cars together for a class somewhere. And so that kind of directly led me to planning a class at uh, Mealy Island, which we did in 2010. Nice. And, uh, I, you know, through the Internet and other ways, I contacted owners, and we were able to get 10 Exeterinis to come, five of which were Bandinis. And since I was able to get that many, I invited McKelly Bandini to come to the event, and he did. Oh, wow. Well, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, it was his first time ever coming to the U.S., Oh, wonderful. So that was, you know, another great fun time, and hopefully I'm going to do that again, so stay tuned. Yeah. Well, Bill Warner of Amelia Island has been on Cars, yeah, and great man, great show. What a wonderful experience. I remember being at Pebble Beach when uh, Scaglietti was there, and it was the first time he'd been to the U.S. A friend of mine, John Shirley, had a car on display that year, which 15 years later won Pebble Beach last month in August, the first Ferrari to win. But I remember standing there seeing him stand there, look at the car that he had designed back in the 50s for Rossellini. It was a one-off car and a tear yeah. in his eye. And it was just such a magical moment to see that man who was thinking, you, you wish you could have gotten into his head to think about, wow, you could only go back and relive that moment when he was designing that car. That's great. I love that story. How about a proudest moment? Do you have a real proud moment with this website you've created? One really proud moment was when... Uh I was contacted by someone whose father had passed away and had a Bandini in his garage that he had had since the 50s. Because of the site, she was able to get in touch with me. It was also through Pete Vack of LoJToday.com. Oh, I just and, had an interview with Pete yesterday on Cars, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's been a friend of a family for many years, of our family. Mm -hmm. But we were able to get in touch with this person and... Turns out it's the Bandini that we currently own today. It uh, belonged to her father. She knew the names of the, the uh, previous owners. They had put a Devon body on it back in, I believe, for 1958 season. And her father had been ill, hadn't hit the car, sat in the garage for, I don't know, 30 or 40 years without moving. But it, but it was a dry garage. And her father got ill, became ill, and he started, for, for some reason, talking about the car. Hmm. That's when she decided to start researching. Unfortunately, he passed away. But she did find us, and it turns out they share the same last name as us. Oh, wow. Same last name. They live about four hours north of us in Chicago. We're in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And uh, they invited us up to see the car, and it was just a natural fit. You know, they wanted to, to sell the car because they you know, had no idea what to do with it. But they wanted it to, to uh, hopefully stay in the Midwest and stay with someone who wasn't just going to buy it and flip it, someone who really you know, enjoys the cars, enjoyed the history, right. and would, you know, kind of bring it back to life. So we were able to do that. And if I would have started the site, it, it wouldn't have happened. And so we wow. still have this car today. It's a project. You know, we're getting down to the wiring and, and doing the brakes. So this is a car that we're going to be able to enjoy, hopefully, starting next summer in some events. And it's, once again, you know, there's just, there's always been a car in the basement on stands. Mm -hmm. So we ended up with uh, with this car because of it. So when it's just fun to have that kind of a project with my dad after all those years and watching him tinker on it and we can do stuff together. It's just really been great. Ah, fantastic story. That's really great. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory that you had with that vehicle. I don't know if I'd call it special, but my senior year I drove a Volkswagen Beetle. I believe it was a 76. 
and it was bright orange. That's the car that doesn't really have a defroster, and we live in the Midwest, so <laughs> just had some driving that car for my senior year in high school was a pretty, uh, I don't know how to explain the experience, but just, but I had a great affinity for the car because, you know, it's a Volkswagen Beetle, you're shifting gears, got the engine a little rumbling in back. Yep. And those are actually, some of the Beetles are becoming collectible today, which is amazing to me. Oh, yeah. Especially especially the earlier ones. But yep. uh, that was a special relationship I had with, with a car that was kind of a special car. It wasn't just an American, you know, Chevy Malibu or something like that. Sure. Much later in my life, about 10 years ago, I was able to uh, order a car for myself that I always, I've always wanted a Mercedes C-Class. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed watching them race over the years in DTM. So I was able to order a, a new Mercedes C-Class, the color I wanted, the interior color, you know, every little option. I ordered it, and I've got it, and I just rolled about 200,000 miles in it, and it's just been a joy to drive. <laughs> fantastic. So that's my other special car. Yeah, fantastic. I have a neighbor across the street who recently found a 1958 VW Bug. Beautiful little car that he takes yeah, out. The early on. ones are, are fantastic. I really yeah, like it. Yeah, great, great car over there. Bruce has. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had that you really wish you could have back? Dollar sides of not counting, I'd probably think of our uh, Maserati A6 GCS. Mm, wow. It was a car that had been uh, given back to the to Fantuzzi, and they put a longer nose and headrest on it, so it's a unique body style on A6 GCS. Mm-hmm. We had that one for 21 years, which was, I think, besides our Bandini, was the longest my dad ever kept the car. Just especially loved it. Just the rounded shapes, the sound of the engine. Just an amazing car. Besides that, I'd say really any of them. Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. enjoyed our Porsche Spiders. <laughs> yep. Of course, the short wheelbase Ferrari was a great car. Boy. Too many to mention. <laughs> yeah, I had a Silverstone Jaguar, which was a lightweight Jaguar. They made three examples and uh, was raced by Phil Hill in California. Wow. That was one of the only probably the only British car we ever had. We had a 246 Dino. Nice. I remember driving around as a kid and a teenager in. What a great car to drive on the road. Yes, they are. When I was a teenager, I had a car detailing business and a customer of mine, Sam, had one and I used to ride my bike over to his house and he'd let, it, let me drive it back to my house to detail it and love those cars. Fantastic. One little side note on the uh, A6 GCS, my dad sold to a guy named Tom Mittler. He raced it for about six or seven years in a row at Laguna. Mm-hmm. I'm actually in contact with his son. Tom Mittler actually passed away mm, two or three years ago, and his son has kept the collection. So it's been really nice having some emails and some trading photos with, uh, his name is also Tom Mittler. Mm-hmm. And he's the current owner, and he also loves the car. So we've been, it's just been great to be able to you know, talk to these guys, and hopefully I'll be able to visit it soon. So Yeah, that's great. We sold it, but there's still some access to the car, which is fantastic. Oh, wonderful. What about projects? Is there a current project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, just this Bandini with the Devon body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a car that has raced actually twice at Sebring in 1952 and then in 1955. It was campaigned all over the Midwest. I've been able to track down the, the, owners, the exact ownership history, I'm actively seeking out the racing programs and dash plaques. That's another area of my collecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm up to about 20 programs. I think about 10 dash plaques. So there's just one or two programs out there, racing programs that I haven't been able to find. But uh, this car, you know, 
It has the Devon body. It was replaced. We were actually able to find the original Bandini nose and tail and a hood for it. Wow. Which was a, which was separate from when we got the car. The car actually, you know, it's a Bandini frame, front and rear suspension, all original. It's got the original steering wheel, original seat. Uh, it was just, you know, modified. They just added some frame, widened it, and added a Devon body. Mm-hmm. It was originally came came from Italy with a Crosley engine. I believe a man named Tony Pompio was sending Crosley engines over to some of the Italian builders, and they were modifying them. So this car was actually sent to the United States new with an American Crosley engine in it wow. from Italy. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Sounds so like a great so project. So there's a Crosley in it. Yeah, there's a, well, a Crosley engine. such a great little 750. And so that's our project, and uh, we're restoring it. Uh, many, many people said, you know, you should not restore it with that Devon body on there. You should put it back to original. But the modification was done in the late 50s, and I love the way it looks. So we are restoring it with a Devon body on it. Good for you. Doing it the way you want to. Now, here's an yeah. interesting question. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? And it's not about your favorite car. It's about if you were a car. So it's a little bit of a personality exploration here hmm if i were a car i would probably be i think a 550 spider and why is that i just like the fact that they didn't necessarily have the biggest engines they weren't necessarily the fastest cars but they had a lot of stamina you know and it always they always were very reliable just a fun car something that's not going to blow the everyone off on the straightaway but boy you get in those corners and they're great yeah the old giant killers <laughs> correct yeah so yeah you know I, I i think the the small guy the underdog yeah my dad was never a huge you know ralph Lauren guy but he he loved the cars when they were not worth very much and he still loves them today yep well we all do and 550s are one of my favorite cars i love those cars they're just so clean and simple and and spectacular i really like them Okay, Cliff, we're up to the last lap, and this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So, are you buckled up and ready to go? That sounds great. I'm ready. All right. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say go with what you love. Go with what you love. Yes, that sounds like a familiar response to that question. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I think that I, through the tennis, just kind of got that hard work ethic of, you know, having a routine, a regimen, and working hard towards a goal. So I think that's pretty much pretty much it. Great. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners, other than com, but perhaps a website or a blog that you get, something you really enjoy that's based around automotive? Well, I'll tell you, I, I love the guys at Sports Car Digest. They do a fantastic job. Of course, Veloce Today is a great resource. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the guys at RM Auction. I really enjoy all their stuff. So, But I would say if you're interested in sports cars, you really need to see Sports Car Digest. They cover all the events. I've sent them information on events and photos and a great bunch of guys, and they're just on top of all the auctions and everything that's happening. Yeah, great, great resources. How about books? Is there a book that you've recently read or maybe a book from the past that you would like to share with our listeners? You know, one of my favorite all-time books is a book called The Count of Monte Cristo mm-hmm. by Alexander Dumas. I'm a big Dumas fan. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrote The Three Musketeers and Man the Iron Mask, and there's, he wrote actually about 100 more novels. 
But in The Count of Monte Cristo, I think, was about a guy who was actually wronged. And, uh, you know, there was some injustice there. And uh, he kind of uh, got a little revenge. I don't know why I picked that book before. I just, I just really have always enjoyed that book. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these resources at carsyeah.com slash Cliff Reuter. And Cliff's last name is R-E-U-T-E-R. How about hobbies? Do you have an interesting hobby outside of your passion for cars? Uh, you know, I enjoy playing golf. I don't have a lot of time to do it with a little 10-year-old at home. But I really enjoy golf. But I'd say definitely this, this car thing is my hobby. I really enjoy trying, you know, finding and collecting SCCA memorabilia buttons and programs and of course that's all car related but uh yeah i really enjoy playing golf great okay well we're up to the checkered flag here and this last question can be a real doozy for some people if you could only have one collector car in your garage and it's something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with but money's no object i'm going to buy you whatever you want today what would that vehicle be and why did you choose it well would it be a silly answer to say the car we actually have now, this little Bandini Devon? No, you know, you're one of the uh, the few guests I've had that's fortunate enough to answer that question that way, that you already have the car of your dreams, which is going to save me a bundle because now I don't have to buy anything. <laughs> oh, that's so great. You know, it's just almost like fate that the car ended up with us. Yes. the connection with the love of the cars, you know, the same last name, the way we oh, found yes. it. yeah. It's just something that I never want to leave our family. I'd love to give it to my son someday. Just Wonderful. a neat little, you know, the, it's got the, a lot of different people are interested. The HMOD folks, the Exeterini people. There's a whole group of guys who love Devon cars. There's Crosley, you know, there's, a, I think, a website called Crosley Kook. Mm-hmm. So it just, it's just a cross, it goes kind of across a, a little bit of a spectrum there. And uh, it's just something I, I truly love the car. Wonderful. Well, you're a fortunate guy. Cliff, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've, I've loved your stories. I'm sure there's so many more you could share with us. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that bandini? I'd just say, you know, if you have something that you're interested in, pursue it. If you think you have friends around the world who are also interested, see if you can contact them. And then just just have as much fun as possible doing it. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing? Say just go to my website. It's real easy to find. You can Google my name or com or any of the cars, Bandini, Stangolini. Just go ahead and Google it, and you'll be surprised. I've put thousands and thousands of images on the Internet. It'll take you a while to go through my sites, but definitely just find me at exeterini.com. It's a great fun site, and I encourage all the listeners to check out his site. You can find links to that site at carsyad.com slash Cliff Reuter. Cliff, I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and sharing your life and your family's life with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.